When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. My mind was like 10,000 thoughts at once. It was just like, why did that happen? Why was I so stupid to let that? Like maybe I imagined all of the, the chemistry and all of the things. Maybe it was just like he got drunk and he just kissed me and it wasn't like a big deal. Outwardly, I can I can put on a great like hey I'm, I'm doing fine like nothing ever happened sort of situation but then inside I feel like why couldn't he pick me welcome to how to I'm David Epstein we're just coming off of Valentine's Day so you're probably sick of romance by now the flowers the candy sappy movies where star-crossed lovers run to meet each other in the rain or kiss in the rain or serenade one another in the rain You get the picture. Our listener this week has been avoiding every reminder of romance because her own love story took an unexpected turn. My name is Sarah. I am 25 years old. I work in a technology field. Once upon a time, Sarah met a boy named John. It was in grad school, and they bonded over the fact that they'd both just moved to the U.S. from India. It felt like there's one other person who gets how it is coming from, like, a very similar upbringing, right? John and Sarah could talk about anything. Politics, video games, cooking. Sarah even supported John through his own brutal breakup. By the time graduation rolled around, they were best friends, and Sarah was feeling something more. It didn't help that John's both funny and good-looking. What actor would you choose to play him um, in in a movie about his life? Um, A lot of people say that he looks like Ryan Gosling, so maybe Ryan Gosling. Ah, okay. All right. Oh, God, I hope to God he doesn't hear this. Oh, God. <laughs> so this is where the How To podcast enters stage left. Sarah had actually just listened to a previous episode called How to Propose to a Man. That convinced her she could be the one to make the first move. So at a house party with a bunch of friends, she decided to shoot her shot. We kissed that night and and obviously we were very drunk and I, at first, I did dismiss it as, oh, it's just nothing. But then uh, the next morning, I think we'd all woken up and we were like making coffee or something. Like I pulled him aside and I was like, hey, so like, I just wanted to let you know, I really like to like pursue this romantically. And he looked shocked at me. Like he never expected this sort of situation. Well, you had kissed the previous night. I mean, you're not, doesn't seem like you're totally coming out of left field he he took a bit of like he took like a few minutes to like process it and then he was like I don't think it's good that I don't think we should like you know pursue each other romantically and I think I want to keep our friendship intact like I value you as a friend and punch in the gut (laughs) Mm. yeah (laughs) 
I felt my heart just sink. I'm pretty sure it showed on my face that I was a little disappointed, but then I just went, okay, yeah, that that makes sense. I I don't want to lose the friendship too. And we kind of decided that we we won't talk about it. That was about eight months ago, and they haven't talked about it since, which works fine for John, but pretty terribly for Sarah. Like right now, when I talk to him or like when we get on a call, I, I start having the same feelings, like the best way I can put it is is in waves. I Googled a lot about how to get over unreciprocated love with best friends. And so, oh yeah, this is great. Like I am over this. Uh, we can continue being friends. And on other days when we are kind of sharing that emotional bond, I feel those those feelings resurface again. On today's episode, How to Fall Out of Love, what do you do when you can't get over someone who turns you down, especially when that someone is your best friend? We'll bring on Helen Fisher, the scientific expert on the neurochemistry of love. Every time you talk with them and email with them, you are continuing to keep the fire alive. Don't go anywhere. Hello, Slate Podcast listeners. Help us make a better Slate by answering our survey. It'll only take a few minutes, and you can find it at slate.com slash survey. This episode is brought to you by Defender. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off road challenges or harsh weather conditions. Built for the modern explorer, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. And cargo capacity means more room for your gear. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. A vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Back in the late 60s, Helen Fisher was studying anthropology at New York University, delving into the mysteries of the head-heart connection. The aha moment came as it was about three o'clock in the afternoon. I was walking along in Greenwich Village right near that park, and I suddenly thought to myself, wait a minute, could I put people in brain scanners and see if I can find the brain circuitry of romantic love? People live for love, they kill for love, they die for love. It's got to be somewhere in the brain. And so Helen and a team of researchers started putting love-struck people in MRI machines to scan their brains. We put happily in love people in their 20s into the scanner. And I began to think to myself, you know, who gives a damn? The real problems come when people are rejected in love. That's when they suffer. If I'm going to make any contribution to this planet, it's going to be understanding rejection in love, not happiness in love. So that's when I started putting rejected people into the scanner. And they were a real mess. I mean, you know, they were sobbing. One girl hadn't left her 
bed for three days. Other people came in looking very bedraggled. One person cried so hard in the scanner that we couldn't use the data. <laughs> Can you please stop crying? You're going to break the MRI machine, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, it certainly ruined the experiment, but I felt so sorry for him. Uh, but anyway, the bottom line is um, we did discover that time heals. There's a brain region called the ventral pallidum where there's a lot of receptors for oxytocin. And that's one of the basic neurochemicals for feelings of attachment. And we found that the farther you get away from that original moment of rejection, the less and less activity there was in that brain region linked with attachment. Helen's written a half dozen books and is the chief scientific advisor for Match.com. Her research has shaped how we think about the neurochemistry of love and helped people like Sarah get over their exes. You said you read a lot about getting over, uh, you know, unrequited love. What are some of the things that you tried? One of the things I read was put some time and space between the two of you. Since we're already kind of best friends at this point, it was really hard for me to give that sort of space. And I stopped watching rom-coms for a while, hmm. you know, sitcoms that had a lot of love in it, especially like Friends, because I was a big Ross and Rachel fan. <clears throat> Lately, I've, uh, <clears throat> I've, uh, sort of had feelings for you. <laughs> You've had feelings for me. Yeah, what? So, you had feelings for me first. Whoa. <laughs> it's bringing back all these feelings, and it's mm. also giving me a weird kind of hope that things might, you know, in the long run work out for us, which I feel is kind of that hope was kind of hindering me from moving forward. Another thing I read mm -hmm. was definitely start dating casually right after. And to the poor man I went on a date with, I am so sorry, because I <laughs> whined about how I was kind of in love with my best friend and hmm. on our first date. And I'm pretty sure he was very bored <laughs> with me. And it I works every time, I'm sure. <laughs> <as a dating. laughs> but yeah, and, and I tried casual dating, but then I just felt like, oh, I should not be doing this. I'm still not over him. Oh, wow. Um, and like, it's a weird mix of like guilt. And then there's other days when I'm like, oh, this, this is fine. Like I'm a independent woman. I can do this. So Helen, what's your first just reaction to hearing Sarah describe her situation? Okay, well, first of all, Sarah, I'm sorry that you're struggling with this. And uh, by the way, I'm not a psychiatrist or a therapist. I am an anthropologist, but I really do study love. And the fact that you said that it comes in waves, I really think that that is a very strikingly smart description of how you feel, that it can come and go. This incredible feeling of being passionately in love with somebody and then having periods of time when you think less about them, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I, I was very impressed with that. Um, um, just a couple of questions here. Do you live in the same town? Uh, right now, no. We used to live in the uh -huh. same town when we were in grad school and then we both moved for work. Mm -hmm. And how often do you talk on the phone? Roughly once or twice a week. Sometimes it's it's just like maybe 30 minutes. We're just catching up and like doing that sort of stuff. And sometimes it can go on for like three hours. Does he know how much you're suffering? I don't think so. Because um, the thing was once when we decided that let's not make this a romantic thing. Let's not talk about this. I just assumed that we would never talk about it ever again. So I never brought up any feelings beyond that. 
Does he know you're going out with other people, trying to go out with other people? I did bring it up casually in a conversation like, hey, like I went out on a date with this guy and he just said, oh, that's good. And that's about it. Do you know whether he's got another girlfriend? Um, well, he recently did disclose that he is like pursuing a girl. So I pretended like I was perfectly fine with it. <laughs> like it didn't affect me. <laughs> Well, first of all, Sarah, I mean, it's very hard to do. Nobody gets out of love alive. We all have situations like this. And bottom line is you have been dumped. I mean, even though he doesn't probably realize it, he's taking it lightly. You're, you're being very gracious about it. But the bottom line is it's very difficult to maintain a friendship when you're madly in love with somebody. Exceedingly difficult. This is an addiction. We have found that in the brain. When you're madly in love with somebody, there's a little factory in the base of the brain called the ventral tegmental area or the VTA, and it pumps out dopamine. And that dopamine goes all over the brain. It gives you that feeling of elation and giddiness and euphoria and sleeplessness, and just a craving for that emotional union. Helen says that another part of the brain that becomes active when you've fallen hard is the nucleus accumbens, which is associated with addictions to drugs, gambling, food, pretty much anything. Right now, Sarah's basically an addict for John. The right thing to do, the simplest, the, not simple, it's simple but not easy, is to cut off the relationship with him for a couple of years. Uh, because every time you see him, you're pumping up the dopamine system again. And from what little I've seen you, you're a beautiful girl. You're certainly extremely articulate, extremely intelligent, and going someplace on the planet. And you gotta weigh whether you wanna waste time right now on a beautiful friendship, when in fact, if you were to cut it off for a while, and begin to go out with other people, you are gonna be closer to finding somebody who really adores you. So here's our first tip for getting over someone. If you wanna recover as quickly as possible, cut yourself off. Helen says that each time you talk to that person, you're giving yourself a dopamine kick that you become further dependent on. It'll feel terrible at first, but giving yourself space from someone is the fastest way to get over them. It's just that Sarah doesn't know how to do that and stay in her group of friends. If I stop hanging out with him, it means I don't hang out with the other friends that, that form that circle of friends. Well, the bottom line is all of these people, you, I guess you're in the, your middle 20s, all of them are going to fall in love with somebody. If you don't want to give up the friends and you don't want to give up the friendship with the man, then you've got a couple other choices. Definitely go out with other people. And <laughs> definitely don't tell them how you're feeling. Okay. Give them a chance. You've got to give other people a chance. By the way, he might come around, you know. Particularly oh, don't if give you me did hope. <laughs> Helen. Oh, no, no, <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> Stop this. Now listen to me. Um, if you see less and less of him and start going out with somebody else, and begin to build a new life, he may come around, but by then you're gone. And you're gonna look back as, as a wonderful and very painful experience, but you will be gone. And so you will be able to cope with it. But until Sarah moves on with someone new, 
Can she and John continue to be just friends? We are just going to be friends, okay? Great, friends. It's the best thing. You realize, of course, that we can never be friends. Why not? So many movies, like When Harry Met Sally, teach us that love always wins. But that's pretty much because nobody wants to see a movie called How Harry and Sally Obviously Couldn't Be Friends or Lovers. This is real life. So how can Sarah recover after falling for John? Come back to us after this quick break. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. On Death, Sex, and Money, we feature interviews with you, our community of listeners, getting honest about uncomfortable things. I developed an illness where it isn't safe for me to drive. A friend once said to me, sex is like air. You don't think about it until you're not getting enough. This is a similar sort of thing if you just replace sex with driving. Listen to Death, Sex, and Money wherever you get podcasts. We're back with Sarah and our love expert, Helen Fisher. Sarah's struggling to move past her unreciprocated romantic feelings for her BFF, John. Helen says to get over that, Sarah should aggressively wind down the intimacy of their friendship. Because every single time you talk to him, you're setting yourself back. And don't go playing the music that you dance to together. Get rid of the cards and letters. He's probably have cards and letters and things that he gave you. Put them in a box. You know, you've got to get away from the triggers. And don't put them in a special place like under your bed. (laughs) Put them in a place where, you know, where it's cold, for Christ's sakes. (laughs) Bury them in a deep grave in Siberia if you have any uh, love letters that you sent David's got it right. I'm trying to think. Like, I archived all of our pictures. uh, So Google Photos or, like, Apple uh, iCloud doesn't remind me every three months. Hey, remember this time when you did this fun <laughs> uh-huh. thing with him and you hung, Good you for you. hung out? Uh, I also, uh, like, I think we took a road trip together and 
this is gonna sound so silly um i had a pack of chewing gum that we bought and we that we used along the road trip and leftovers the chewing gum is still sitting in my drawer get rid of that (laughs) one way or another get rid of that Helen, you're really reminding me of these famous studies about uh, soldiers coming back from Vietnam and like hundreds of thousands of them were addicted to heroin in Vietnam and and came back. And the you know researchers were expecting that we were going to have this incredible addiction problem because heroin is so addictive. And almost none of them relapsed. And this like went against all kind of medical dogma. And it turned out that it was this incredible change of the environment yeah. that made it so easy. for like, All the triggers were gone like, yeah. overnight. And, and you've been talking about love sort of in the context of addiction. Is that something similar where you're, you're really trying to change your environment to get rid of all those? Absolutely. Those, those Perfectly said, David. I mean, that gum means something to her. We're an animal that symbolizes, you know, anthropologists spend a lot of time about wondering when it is that humankind was able to distinguish between water and holy water or between a pack of gum and a romance. And you're very young. It's a beautiful time for you. I hate to see you wasting it, but uh, we all do. We all stay in relationships too long. There's nothing unusual about your experience. What's unusual is that you're such a grown-up about it and that you're trying to figure it out. So here's our next tip. If you're trying to change your emotions, change your environment. Get rid of the reminders that trigger unwanted feelings. It'll feel like ripping off a Band-Aid, but breaking these cycles, Helen says, it's the only way to make your brain stop relying on that kick of dopamine you get from feeling in love. I understand the triggers and, you know, you have like a lot of memories and stuff attached to them. How do I stop the memories themselves? What do I do when the memories are the triggers? It's it's not even the chewing gum. It's like something random I'd be thinking about. I'd be working and then I'd suddenly remember, oh yeah, that, that was a nice time. Yeah, I remember that. What I did once, there was a guy and I created a, a one-liner. You're always supposed to start it with, I love being myself. So I love being myself with the perfect man of my own. I love being myself with a perfect man of my own. Now, perfect was all the list of traits I was looking for. And of my own meant to me somebody who loved me. So when you're in the shower and you start thinking about it, when you're driving along in your car and you start thinking about it, come up with some sort of aphorism that has nothing to do with him, and just start repeating it over and over and over to yourself. I mean, what I used to do was exactly the wrong thing. I'd turn up, you know, music to kill yourself by, and I'd furiously (laughs) dance and cry. Now that's stupid. I knew better than that. But the bottom line is it was the very beginning of things. I should have gone out, taken a run myself, gone and see friends, done anything except resurrect the ghost. So come up with one of those aphorisms. Can you cook up one now? Something that you could say right now? What would be your first stab at that? Uh, I love being myself with the perfect man for me. Something like that. Uh, I guess I love being myself with a person who loves me and enjoys spending time with me. Do you mean it? You have to find something that you actually mean. Um, well, I... I I keep telling myself I deserve better than to be... Yeah, don't do that. 
Because oh. that's going back into that world. Okay. <laughs> you got to uh, think up. You got to think forward, not back. Nothing about I deserve better. No, I love being myself with the with the, the most handsome, charming, smart, funny guy that adores me. Forget about him. Don't 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 go back. Go forward. Okay. Um, I love being myself uh, with the a person who respects me and reciprocates all the love I have to offer. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> Here's another tip. Create a forward-looking mantra. This is a tip we've heard from other experts on this show. Referring to a mantra, it can interrupt counterproductive thought cycles. In this case, Helen says you should start with, I love being myself. So it avoids looking backward and triggering more memories and what-if scenarios. Uh, following your advice, I'm definitely going to try and reduce our conversations to like as minimum as possible. Uh, but my question would be, should I still tell him how I feel that I'm still struggling with the feelings? It's worth saying that, you know, I'm, unfortunately, I triggered the brain circuitry for romantic love for you that night. And I'm having a hard time getting over it. You're just a wonderful guy. And I know that it will be better for me to see if I can talk less to you. Okay. And I do think that if you pull away without him understanding it, I think it'll be hurtful to him and hurtful to you and somewhat yeah. dishonest. The one thing that Cupid is going to help you out with is time. Time is going to help. And what you should probably do, um, maybe after you talk to him on the phone, is get some exercise that'll drive up the dopamine system, make you feel better. Um, go out with new, are you making any new friends in this new place? Uh, yes, I did start running again. And Good. I have, uh, and I started, I joined a salsa class near me. Uh, I found a friend who is also willing to go for salsa classes. And so we do this online salsa class that we do together. So that's very important. You got to make new friends. You got to keep moving. Sarah, have you tried much online dating? I have. And I, uh, I, it's, it's been a roller coaster. At first, I just thought I should just swipe right on every person I think remotely is is my type. I literally swipe right on so many people to the point where I I I was tired. I had the dating fatigue <laughs> and I was done. I, it is very tiring. I can't I, I agree with you entirely. It's work. So I would say if you do get on the internet after you've met, and I mean met, uh, either on the internet or off the net internet, but seeing them engaged on conversation with somebody you can look at, stop and get to know at least one of those people more. Do you have anybody that you can talk to except him in an intimate way? Uh, um, I, I haven't explored another friend I can talk to because I, I, okay, this is my thinking that if I talk to someone about it, it becomes real. I don't want it to be anything, I just, Want wanted it to, be to like go him. away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I hear like you, I girl. want it to be like magic and it just like disappears. I feel like the minute I talk to somebody or like, yeah, I, I know I'm on a podcast right now. <laughs> this sounds very funny. I, that's really smart because one of the problems with women is that they 
keep, um, they talk about it too much to their friends. And so every time after a while, they're resurrecting the ghost. And I was having a ridiculous, ridiculous love affair. Helen told us her ridiculous love affair went on for nearly two decades and involved romantic getaways to more than 100 countries. And I saw the world many times and all that, and I got some wonderful things out of it. But goodness, it was just a heartache the whole time. And I, I talked about it so much to my friends, and they, and they were all very sweet to me. And, and it kept on saying, you know, kept being on commiserating. And I finally realized that all that commiserating just brought the ghost back again. So I think you're on the right track, girl. I really do. I think you're stepping away slowly. At least you're getting some exercise. At least you're making new friends. And if you can just think about moving forward instead of constantly sitting in this pudding. Here's our next tip. Focus on the future. Build up your life with activities you enjoy and with new friends. Maybe don't swipe right on everyone, but go on dates, even if it doesn't feel like your heart's fully in it yet. By opening yourself up, you're getting closer to embracing this new stage of your life and eventually new feelings for someone else. Someday you will be ready. That's the only really honest thing I can tell you from studying the brain. The day will come when you have had enough. And at that point, you will be able to begin to go out with people with a genuine interest. Until then, I would not wallow in the past. For all her scientific expertise on the cycle of love, heartbreak, and recovery, Helen also happens to be living it herself, right now. And Helen, you actually just got married like this summer, right? I did. To John Tierney, the science writer? Absolutely. And I think it read in your wedding announcement that he broke up with you at Grand Central Terminal? Absolutely. That seems like a terrible symbol. It's like I'm breaking up with you so you can get on a train and go away. Right <laughs> he got on the train. I walked home and sobbed. <laughs> oh, my God. Helen had been dating John for six months at that point, but they'd known each other for decades. But then you didn't contact him for six weeks. I did not contact him. That's really important. And what was really important about it is he knew that here was a woman who wasn't going to plague him, who wasn't going to go hammering on his door, who wasn't going to sob and leave him flowers on his doorstep. I didn't contact him. And then he then he wrote me a note and said to me, I made a mistake. Uh, you were the best thing that happened to me. Still... Helen waited two weeks before inviting him over. I said, you know, when you start sleeping with somebody, you can trigger the brain circuitry for romantic love. So are you willing to take that chance? And he said yes. And so Helen got married. I had always thought that being married was not very different from living with somebody. And that's what I've learned. It's richer and deeper. So you are still learning about love and romance. Yeah. Which leads us to our final tip, or inspiration, really. At 75, Helen's had serious relationships and serious heartbreak. But each time, with time, Helen was able to move on and eventually found the man she was supposed to marry. But until that happens for Sarah, she had one last crucial question for Helen. A friend suggested get a pet, get a dog or a cat. You just need to have something else to love. 
your thoughts on that? Which do you like better, cats or dogs? Oh, age-old question. Uh, I like both equally. <laughs> well, then I'd get a cat. And the reason I would get a cat is because some night you're going to find another boy and you're going to want to spend the night and you don't want to have to race home to feed a dog. A cat can manage you being gone. All right. <laughs> That's very helpful. <laughs> thank you to Sarah for sharing her story with us. And thanks to Helen Fisher for her great advice. Be sure to look for all her books, including Anatomy of Love, A Natural History of Mating, Marriage, and Why We Stray. And a quick update from Sarah. Hey, everyone at How To. Firstly, I've applied Helen's self-affirmations. It has been very helpful. I have been writing them on post-its, putting them all around the house. Furthermore, I finally talked to a friend and it's just heartwarming. I just wish I had talked to her before. Anyway, thank you so much for bringing Helen on here and I hope you guys keep doing your amazing work. Do you have a broken heart that needs mending or maybe something else we can help fix? Send us a belated valentine at howtoatslate.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-495-4001. And if you like what you heard today, please give us some love wherever you listen by leaving a rating and a review. It helps us find more Love Lauren listeners. How To's executive producer is Derek John. Rachel Allen and Rosemary Belson produced the show. Our theme music is by Hannes Brown, remixed by Merritt Jacob, our technical director. And Charles Duhigg is that guy whose initial advice prompted Sarah to ask John out. Just saying. I'm David Epstein. See you next time.